Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 165.5. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have two recordings a week. Every Friday, you can check out our Crossing Swords crossover, which covers uh, Ten of Swords. That's currently going on in the X-Books. And those, we do a deep dive of each chapter that's coming out for Ten of Swords. And we do those with guest podcasters like the podcast that goes Snick, Comic Book Squared Legacy, House of X, and X Reads Podcast. And every Monday, we've got a regular issue recapping all the things that are happening in comics and gay-related nerdiness. So double your fun and listen to all the cool stuff we've got coming up. Brent, I'm going to turn it over to you. Brent. Sorry, my internet's going a little buggy. Uh, yeah. It says your life is unstable. Sorry, internet connection. Um, so this week, we've got a new CW show has been announced. Uh, Wonder Woman uh, revealed an announced date like a giraffe being born. There are some wacky new X-Men toys. Uh, and like we've needed more, we have a new segment. Clark's got something. Watch out. And we wrap up with several comic issues. So, newsflash, the CW will be getting a new Wonder Girl TV show. Uh, Interestingly, it will not be Donna Troy, as in Titans, but rather Yara Floor, who is the Wonder Woman in the upcoming Future State storyline in DC Comics, which is a new story that's about, uh, you know, the superheroes in the near future. So, Yara is the daughter of an Amazonian warrior and Brazilian river god and would be the most prominent role for a Latinx actor in the CW superhero, in a CW superhero show, and likely any superhero show. Um, Because Future State will start sooner than the show's production, what do you, what do you guys think of um, this move by the CW? Are they, are they, do you think they're just waiting to see if Future State is successful, or at least um, uh, Wonder Woman's uh, successful in that could this be like a novel way of creating a backstory for characters that are, um, you know, in the comics? Kaylin? Yeah, I think it's great um, because what's going to happen after Future State's over, they're going to have uh, the Wonder Girl series and it's going to be by Joelle Jones, who is doing the kind of the one shots or the, the two-parter, excuse me, for Future State. And it's going to be about her origin when she was younger. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a great way to like introduce a character uh, kind of like in media res of like, they're already being kind of established and then kind of going back and like introducing them. And, you know, quite frankly, I think comics, DC comics specifically needs more diversity. Um, And, you know, Donna Troy in the comics, her backstory is a fucking mess. So who cares? And then the wonder girl that followed her was um, Cassie, whose last name is escaping me. And, you know, she was a fine character. Uh, I really liked her in young justice, but um, you know, there's no reason not to have another wonder girl. That's, you know, multicultural. They did that with Aqualad. Uh, they, you know, he's, yeah. he's, um, he's black and he's also bisexual or gay. I can't remember which. Uh, so why not? I think it's great. Ryan? Uh, so we've seen this before where something from potentially, cause I, in theory, they're working on the TV show already and the comic at the same time. Have we ever really seen this happen where they're working concurrently like that? We've seen stuff, obviously, that happen on TV shows that have gone to comics. So like X-23, 
Um, and we've seen obviously the opposite where comics came first and then they came to movies or whatever, or TV shows. But uh, do, do you know of any uh, that have happened that way, Kalen? Um, related to that, the the last time I saw that kind of synergy was a, a while back is when they married off Lois and Clark. Because uh, remember, you had the Dean Kane. Um, oh, God, who was the actress? Terry that Hatcher. Lois Lip- Terry Hatcher. Wait, Terry Hatcher? No, it's not Terry Hatcher, is it? Yeah. Was it Terry Hatcher? Well, they were marrying him off in the show, and then they wanted uh, to have Lois and Clark in the comics be married as well. So they did the wedding issue uh, right around then, like I think it was like in '96 yeah. or '97. So that's the only time I can think of that kind of synergy. Brent? Yeah, Clark, why don't you say we got A some? very not exciting version is the character Reptile, who was that like guy who could turn into different orange dinosaurs. Um, showed up in one oh. of the Disney Plus ones, and then oh. he also showed up at the same time in, uh, excuse me, Disney, Disney Plus co- cartoon shows, and then showed up in the comics around the same time. So that was bitch. That is such movie. a good poll. Good job, Clark. Yeah. See, I feel like these kind of things are they are certainly new, but I'm hopeful for them as like a model going forward because we've talked a lot about how something like. Um, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark fundamentally altered the way Tony Stark was written in the comics. I think it'd be interesting to have a kind of real-time polling of how people feel about characters and things that they want to fix based off of how they see their portrayal in the comics versus TV. And I don't know that they've actually fully written out any scripts yet. I know that they've got, like, they're still in, like, pre-production, I believe. So... Um, the possibility for them to change something or to focus on some part of her character at a younger age um, is is still really available. Well, and I think it's going to be great. I think it'll be really good. Uh, obviously, representation is always great, especially on uh, TV. And I just like watching the evolution of the Arrowverse, you know, regardless of sort of, I think, the more up and down quality or even if you just enjoy it in general, I think it's going to make uh, continue to make a lot of like kids, teenagers, and everybody really happy to just see and connect with characters on on screen that look like them. So I, I'm just very excited. I'm glad that they went this direction instead of kind of they could have really kicked up another like you know we already had Supergirl, so I don't know if they would have covered as much new ground. Obviously, it's a very different story of Kara Zor-El, but I think in general her life may have been kind of played a little bit more of the same while she was, you know, in everyday uh, life. So I'm excited to see their, their take on it and, uh, and building that out. So in other Wonder Woman news, Warner Brothers had a little oopsie when they accidentally <laughs> released a trailer for Wonder Woman, revealing that they plan on releasing the movie in theaters and on HBO Max on Christmas Day. They switched their spoiler trailer to private and then an hour later confirmed that it was actually accurate. <laughs> the film will be available for um, a month after the release date um, at no additional cost if you subscribe to Kalen's HBO Max account. <laughs> do, you, do we think that this can get people to join HBO Max or are they just trying to make the best out of a bad situation? Adam? I think it's a yes to both. I, you know, I think it's going to definitely drive people to test it out. I found it interesting that it would only be up for a year, I guess it's a, or a month to get everybody kind of in at one point in time and make it a more limited, limited time deal. I think people are hungry for blockbuster content, uh, you know, and a lot of 
a lot of the things that have been doing dual releases have not really been of this caliber. So I think it's a great test model. I'm happy that they probably hopefully work something out with the theaters because obviously that's been an ongoing point of contention. And just in terms of how excited I am, I literally like when I saw the news, uh, I'm staying in DC for the first time for, for Christmas and I like kicked the door in my boyfriend. I'm like, we're going to get to wear pajamas and eat like cereal in the morning and open presents and watch yeah. fucking Wonder Woman. This is amazing. Oh, so like, no was, change, no change then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we were just gonna watch the first one, but now we can watch the second one, which I'm really it's, excited about. It's his Valentine's Day. It's his Arbor Day. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and uh, uh, Clark. So um, I do find it very funny that Warner Brothers has, okay, so there was this game that Marvel and Warner Brothers were playing where they're like, who, or I'm sorry, DC is playing where, who is going to bend first? Who is going to digitally release one of their giant blockbusters? Mm -hmm. So I, we, we do kind of see it now. Warner Brothers is like, we don't fucking care anymore. We're going to, we, they know Wonder Woman is going to be a powerhouse movie. But at this point with the pandemic being at the levels that it is, and uh, unfortunately not a lot of like leeway in sight, like I'm glad that they finally declared it. And I'm hoping that Black Widow will also do the same thing. <laughs> this is my only hope because I'm selfish and I just want to watch it. And I don't think theaters will be around for a little bit still. So I, I'm just excited for this. Clark? Is this so Warner Brothers and AT&T get like better fourth quarter projections for stockholders? That the Probably a thousand percent, yes. That's all I could think of. I was like, oh, it's, I'm excited to see the movie, but this is going to be good for stockholders and the company if they can You want it to movie. feel genuine, but you can just see the money going back I and forth. I can see the mechanism. I know. It's, it's so annoying. Industry folks. Right? So HBO has, has been, had a hard time getting a lot of new subscribers. Um, I think in part because it had a little bit of an odd rollout for what HBO Max is, but also I think there's something that's a problem in people's minds with the brand name of HBO that they feel like it, because it's a premium package that they don't want to pay for these like specialized shows that they would never watch. And so jumping from the margin of like not having HBO anything to getting HBO max, I'm not sure that they're going to get as much of that kind of like subscribership as if they were able to say like, hey, you already have HBO Max. Why not pay an extra $2 to rent um, uh, Wonder Woman? Um, I, I don't think that they're going to get as much bang for their buck as they think that they might compared to Disney Plus, which is like, hey, we're going to release a movie um, that, you know, that would be in theaters. Most people don't have Disney Plus or have expectations for it. And they immediately get those kind of like subscribers. Uh, Ryan? Dude, do you think that they would have, uh, the consumers would have been super pissed if they charged a premium in the same way that Disney Plus did? Because I think us as uh, we're at home living community would just be like, fuck, like, and get pissed yeah. and wait a few months. And so it would hurt Wonder Woman a lot. Well, that's and why I say a nominal fee. Like if they said like, we're charging $2 extra just to rent it. Yeah. That a lot of people who are already paying for the regular subscription would go, yeah, I'd pay that. As well, long as it wasn't a Mulan pricing, I think it'd be fine, honestly. I, yeah. But I think you're right, Brent, in the sense that they likely, 
I'm, you know, given that this is a fourth quarter analysis, which I am also in 100% agree with, with <laughs> there was likely a cost benefit analysis on like, what if we charge $2, $5, $10? And I think you're right that they would probably get more money by someone accidentally subscribing, forgetting to cancel and leaving it on for like eight months than just paying from the existing subscriber base of a couple of bucks kind of thing. Um, because I, I just, I think to your point, like most people, I know I certainly do, we have it because of our cable subscription. And so I, I, you know, I think they're hoping to cut a few people in. I would say I'm one of those people that if I saw how much, it, like if it was like, pay $20 to rent Wonder Woman on opening day, I'd be like, no, I'm fine. I'll just watch Wonder Woman 1 and eat my cereal in pajamas. <laughs> I, I mean, with that said, I did just watch New Mutants the other day. For $5.99, which we will be uh, not covering, recovering at some point. <laughs> Wait, did it really so but did it really release that cheaply? $5.99 for rental, yeah. Yeah, that's great. No, I only thought Adam, I that Adam, they pay you $5.99. <laughs> You'll get a rebate in the mail. And, and, and I would say I would like my money back. I, I'm going to ask for more. I'm going to ask for more. <laughs> But we'll get into that when we review it one day. <laughs> oh, and we are going to review it one day. Uh, so this week, Hasbro announced that there will be a collaboration with Transformers and the X-Men. There will be a Frankenstein's monster of a toy called Ultimate Expanse that uh, <laughs> turns, turns from the Blackbird jet uh, from the X-Men animated series into a hunk of garbage, vaguely shaped like someone's memory of several X-Men what do you guys think of this? Is it less than meets the eye? Can I want to know who hurt you, Brent. Who hurt no. you? Because I, I believe I it was Hasbro, love... and it was my eyes that they hurt specifically. <laughs> it's well, it's more than meets the eye because I loved this thing. It made me so happy. It like I turned into like an eight-year-old kid again yeah. of like some of my favorite properties. I know it's ridiculous. I like should be over it. But I'm sorry. I'm excited. I want it. I want it. I want it. Don't, I hey, don't, don't I thought, show it. Don't show I, it, Brent. No. Yes. <laughs> look no, at Brett. it. Look at it. That's not even the worst looking Transformer. What is wrong with it, you? You've seen the it, Michael Bay Transformer movies. Kaylin, not, that's not that bad. Kaylin, when I saw this photo, because I saw the photo before I saw the article, I literally thought, oh, what, what asshole on Etsy made this piece of junk? How dare you call this fucking thing nostalgia bot because I am totally in your corner, Kaylin. I was originally like, eh, but then when I saw the packaging, it is the most 90s toy I've ever seen authentically though. Like, cause it does look slightly cheap and I love that. This is the type of shit I would be running around Toys R Us screaming at the top of my lungs that I wanted this beautiful piece of garbage <laughs> to bring home and potentially break after about six months of play. Clark? Why does it have Psylocke's psionic knife in its other hand? Because, because. Clark, because Clark, it's good. Because it's so good. <laughs> Wolverine's claws, psychically, Psylocke's sword, and, uh, you know, the fins of Raptor. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, the, I, I, I think, hate it. I think the reason is, fuck you, is why. <laughs> Yeah. So sure. shut up. Exactly. Just shut up and buy it. Hey, just shut. Okay. So I know Kaylin. They... <laughs> I know Kaylin and Adam are uh, into this, and I would, as a child in Toys R Us, like the two of these people, would love it. 
I think in the current day, we can probably update it to make it not look like stupid, pointy, hot garbage that I want to swallow just so I kill myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ryan, I want to say number one, mm-hmm. Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. Oh, <laughs> they're, they're doing a digital thing now. Come on. Number two, if their advertising campaign was, fuck you, you piece of shit, buy it, I would absolutely buy it. Okay, well, we should do an online toy thing then. <laughs> uh, can I be very clear, and I'm really only buying it for this, is that their like, sort of promotional language is, the Transformer collaborate- Collaborative presents the new next with a giant X, exciting mashup. The fact that they are as so stupid nice. as we are to put two giant X's right next to each other, mwah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's just, it is, it is trolling, like shit posting to a T and I have to give it to them. And that's exactly why I'll buy it. They know the that kids from the nineties care about those X's. What is, what is the Transformers collaborative? <laughs> Are you not part Sounds of like it? the mob front. Part, if, if you have to ask, then you'll never know. And that's like, where Kayla and I are going to be a part of it when we get this product. And then who knows what happens next? It's, it's, it's just a break it after a week of play. That's what's going to happen next. <laughs> you guys, you're going to put your money in. It's just a money laundering scheme. They're not going to give you anything. This is all fake. Yeah. It's a pyramid scheme I, inside of a cult. Let's I, be honest. According, I'm here for it. According to the promotional text, I think if we buy it, we get into the ultimate expanse, which is now. <laughs> I assume that is some sort of digital playground that Kayla and I's brains will transport to once we purchase what, Once you pass on, once you pass on, it'll go there. Hey, that sounds like heaven to me. And even, and, and finally, the most impressive part is like, is this shitty? Cause I can read the back of like, you know, the typical uh, X-Men uh, figures on the back used to give you a description of the characters. Like, unlike the Sentinels, this robot is the ultimate mutant ally. And I'm just like, what is this? I love it. It's so stupid. Yeah, okay, I'm turning around. It's great. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it more. I hate it more. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we've reached peak tour making. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we here at uh, Home of Superior love gamers, which is why we've got a new segment, uh, Final Fantasy with Adam. Adam, I believe there are some other names you were bouncing around. Do you want to say some of those? Or do you yeah, wanna... I, think, I think the real key stand out is Adam's faggot video game hour. But you know, <laughs> it's fine, Brad. Final <laughs> Fantasy is good too. Um, yeah, no, so uh, some, kind of some new news uh, this week. So for those that are have been playing games, really playing Mortal Kombat since the uh, 90s, it's an ever-evolving cast. I think Ultimate just released more recently. It came with uh, Melina, as well as a couple of additional guest characters, Rain and maybe... Rain? Yeah. Rambo. Rambo. Rambo, right. They're always really bringing in those 80s movie characters. Another nostalgia bot uh, for us is Mortal Kombat. Um, but what was really cool about it is that they really confirmed uh, what I think people had a long-standing belief for from Mortal Kombat 10, and maybe even a little bit before that, is that Melina, who is a sort of like hybrid, I think a Tarkatan, tar uh, who everybody plays, it's like half Baraka, and basically she's Katana's sister. Um, but they've confirmed that she actually has a lesbian relationship. Uh, and so she was introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, this character, other character, Tanya, was introduced in Mortal Kombat 4 as kind of a 
filler, I think, for many of the other female characters that they rebooted when they did Mortal Kombat 4. Um, but they're, yeah, they're together. They, at the end of the arcade mode, they have a baby somehow, which is great. Um, and, you know, we're just so happy for them. And I think it's really important to celebrate that this is actually probably a better first step uh, or I guess an even better second step for inclusion in Mortal Kombat because Kung Jin, who I believe was Kung Lao's son or at least one of the members of uh, the overall Shaolin monks, had a whole storyline in Mortal Kombat 10 about how he was gay and then got kicked out of the order. But it was a very throwaway line of like, that's why I can't go back. Like there was very little interest in establishing him as a character. Maybe they're gonna kill him in Mortal Kombat 12. Who knows? They love, we love fridging gays. Um, but, but I did really like the fact that this is really full and actually has been a buildup of multiple um, iterations of the series, Clark. I mean, this, this is, ends in one of the non-canonization stories. So I, I don't think they're gonna have a child in the future no. when the next one comes around. I, I do. I hoped so bad that it was going to be Tanya when it just said above, like the headline was just. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> and, because Tanya is the worst. She's like a boring character, but betrays everybody, and therefore I love her because she's like so unnecessary and crappy and filler. And so I'm glad that she has this other fucked up thing to tie into because her her connections are non-existent because she just shits on everybody who ever wants her to help. It's great. I don't know. I'm very excited. I, I, w I was uh, excited for, to see who it was. It was kind of anticlimactic. But um, I was really, like, any idea of, like, a queer uh, character coming into, like, the real world and actually acknowledging it, I still do did want it to be Johnny Cage on some level. Just because, <laughs> just because if we're going to nostalgia, if we're going to 90s Ryan, like, I still was so attracted to him with that terrible photo, not realistic version of him. I was so into him. You in know? like what were essentially like biking shorts. That might, I love oh, that they bitch. filmed those yeah. actors. And I was like, what could you have possibly been wearing? They all look so ridiculous. Wait, Get so you in want here? Yeah. You want Melina to have a lesbian relationship with Johnny Cage? <laughs> that, okay. No, that's not <laughs> yeah, what I that's, said. That's not what I said. I said, if anyone was going to be queer, I was hoping for Johnny Cage. To, to be fair, Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 11's original story mode, they now has two. Uh, there's a lot of interesting play between him and his like younger interdimensional self. So uh, if that makes you feel better. That does. I, I just feel like, like, I don't know. There's a jaded part of me in the way that like production studios, you know, introduce gay characters now. And it's like, yeah, let's make the toothy, weird face monster <laughs> a lesbian like it's gotta be like obviously like everyone deserves love but why did they have to make her the gay one why to are we be, all monsters i know there's history and everything i know there's, there's you know, potential <laughs> well, no no, no i was gonna say my to be fair melina is one of the biggest fan favorites of the game like people lost their shit when she died in mortal kombat 10 and then they didn't bring her back for until now so they've been like building up this enthusiasm. And again, it's obviously not built into the larger main storyline, but that's because there's only so much time they have for the cinematics and everyone gets their kind of endings. I do hope they'll continue to bring uh, both that. The sure fact alone that Mortal Kombat has any kind of ongoing relationships is hilarious to me because it's so <laughs> much fighting, death and blood that I'm like, this is one of those series where I'm like, it's okay 
if everyone doesn't have a significant other or partner or wish to find love and dreams. I just died by the hands of six handed person. And yet <laughs> I'm still thinking about my non-binary lover back at home. You're like, no, no, they're worried about their lives. Yeah. I was just ripped in half by a brutal KO, but will I find love? <laughs> But it is funny that she can go from butch to femme by just simply lifting up a ninja mask. Yeah, yeah, she's same. COVID. Love it. Same as you, Adam. Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, I believe now it's time for uh, the fans' favorite recurring segment. Clark's got something. Watch out. So my Clark's got something yesterday was going to be very quick. And it was just going to be a question that tied kind of into what we're going to be talking about in a minute. I've been watching a lot of Thundercats, you see. And Uh-oh. when you watch Thundercats, you always think about what Lionel's penis looks like. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, you know how cat penises have, like, that, like, claw kind of, like, stabbing burr on the end so that it goes the bar, into the yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It, like, nope. It's stuck Not at there. All. And yeah. And that's I weigh, why I weigh like uh, I all night. I think of it, yeah. And that's yeah. why a cats a cat like a female cat screams so much. Like when you have to throw a shoe into the back because like cats are fucking that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's what this is a very <laughs> common Clark. You don't have to be so descriptive. We all know exactly what you're talking about. And also, is there a question? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what this was supposed to be. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, do you know how many scenes that they had to cut out of the Aristocats because of this very specific problem? Because <laughs> a cat's gotta get raped and a cat's gotta get raped. Oh, cats, cats the musical was so different with the director's cut. <laughs> so, so that's what Clark's got something was supposed to be about. <laughs> but was there going to be a segment or are you just going to tell us about cat penises i don't even give a shit get to the new segment but but there's recent anyway, news right in today's news, news yes <laughs> in today's news um paul bettany who plays uh the vision in the mcu was talking to some stupid asshole named josh horowitz with ntv who hosts <laughs> stir crazy he's fine and he said that vision's penis was purple and that it was intangible at times, much like Vision, even though Vision is at best maroon, at worst red. So he must have some strange other purple penis that's even more, you know, like <laughs> this red person has a giant purple penis, which I guess makes sense as a robot. Brent, what question did you have? Yeah, so I have two Many. questions. Have two quick questions. The first one is, <laughs> was he saying this like, fuck you to the reporter like the reporter's like does vision have a penis and then paul bettany's like yeah it's purple no no yeah. no the, the reporter didn't even ask the question he just came on and the first thing he said was it's purple that's all it's all right said. now my second question is is there a question you have <laughs> yes my question is going to be a question about other penises yeah i love that <laughs> and you have to think you have to think in terms of pigmentation Let's okay. talk pigmentation. Let's talk hair color, girth, length, okay. circumcision, <laughs> angle, deformity, smell. You got to keep all of these in mind. Okay, genitals through... are just body parts and color is just a, a color. But okay, continue. Did no, anyone no. else think of Clark as being like, 
like one of those diamond dealers who's got like a like it's the cut carrot color. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to think the of the uncut that. color carrot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? Okay, so we already I was going to say Captain America next, but you know, we already we already know that story. So It's red, white and blue. Continue. For <laughs> well, we'll start I like with the red, white, and blow that. All right. So He's got it's a super semen instead of the super serum. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever seen Mallrats? Kevin Smith's Mallrats? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, That's what the, I was thinking about. The yeah. Lee, Jason Lee is t- constantly talking about um, Marvel comic characters' penises to Stan Lee, who's in it, and especially yeah. about the Things penis. But the Things penis seems really easy. It's just kind of rocky and orange. So, we're going to go for another one that should be easy, but we'll see. We're going to go for the Hulk. Okay. You can do it either the Hulk in the comics or the Hulk in the movies. So what do we think? There was a clip from Ang Lee's uh, The Incredible Hulk where they actually made a joke about how when she's getting fucked uh, by the Hulk that his penis grew to being disproportionate sizes. And I completely forgot that joke was in there, but that's my answer, Ang Lee. Um, There's a reason why that... There's a reason why that movie is forgotten. And <laughs> I, I want to forget what you just said, Brent. Um, I think uh, the Hulk has, his penises are like his personalities. They're all a little bit different. There's, there's, the, there's the green one. There's the mean gray one. There's the intelligent <laughs> one. There's the devil penis. Um, so it's just, you know, it, it's a virile, real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing <laughs> happening you know, Kaylin, down under. Kaylin, yeah. tell me about the mean gray one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's I think, that I look it, like? I, it's called it's called Mister Fix It. Um, you know, it um, it's pretty self-explanatory. Put your balls in my mouth, I'm Mister Fix It. Okay. Uh, uh, I think I think he can kind of control. I, I actually no, I don't think he can control his penis at all. I think it literally like if we're thinking about rage and passion and stuff like that, like. Penis is uh, unfortunately like very ingrained in who the Hulk is. <laughs> unfortunately, we're not talking about it, but like I'm sure that thing gets so large it would be uncomfortable. Let's just say it that way without being too much detail. Do you, but do you think it generally grows wider than longer? Cause he just mostly gets like big, he doesn't get like tall. You so know, like, like, you know what, Adam, like I didn't big... think about if it was wider or longer, honestly. I think the answer is both. It goes out like a, a Michelin tire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to, I'm going with Kalen's answer only because he can then produce a very lucrative line of uh, dildos. Like, well, could you imagine the Marvel Presents Hulk line of dildos? No, no, no. They're, they're already out. I can't. Yeah, I really can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I got them in my bedroom. You want to see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is probably going to go into some sort of tentacle porn territory. But what do you think about Groots? Mm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Doctor Octopus. But, I thought you were uh, going to say Shumagura. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Staryu. Um, uh, I I think he can just control it as much as he wants to give. He can. I think he's got a little wood. Just a little. Eh? It's small. And. Eh? Uh, I'll go red. I'll say redwood. I think it, I think it, uh, Sequoia. Yeah. <laughs> when that little redwood comes out, uh oh, yeah. But oh, it, no, I think no, 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 it is a blue. I think there is a blooming though. It's very, it's not a hue. Like, yeah, 
he like unravels and all of a sudden it's coming out of your mouth and you're like, well, shit, what am I supposed yeah. to do now? Wait, hmm. you've got like foliage coming out of your mouth? Yeah, that yeah, dick gets everywhere. You know, <laughs> if it's good enough, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy in that prison, Groot shoves his two oh, right. into the guy's nose, his two fingers into the guy's nostrils and picks him up. That's what Adam wants from Groot's dick. Okay. <laughs> what I want to know though, what I want to know though is, is, is his cum just sap? Oh God, it just gets stuck and dries and you just can that never get be, rid of that it. That would be terrible. That Actually, I think it's maple, it's maple syrup. I was gonna say, it's oh, fantastic oh. on pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only if he uh, eats the right thing though before, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, like pineapple, not asparagus. <laughs> like a certain amount of nitrogen. Correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, well, did you just eat nitrogen? <laughs> Let's head over to our X-Men that we've been dealing with most of the time. Let's go. Um, what do you guys think about Sinister? Um, ooh, um, just I feel like he's cloned. It has a cape on it. It's got a cape. <laughs> it says he shaved his hair. He shaved his pubic hair to like get a little like. Yeah, slow. you just mean he's uncut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, he's British, so that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, that's totally Fanta. It's definitely like I think it's average, but it's serviceable. Like I don't yeah. think you'd be disappointed. It, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like he's cloned a second penis right next to it. Okay. <laughs> it's got a diamond at the end of it too. Oh. Are they fighting over the? <laughs> you well, that's the other thing too. You get the gang bang with the clones. Like they're like they're all there, and you're like, how many do you want? And that's hey, that's but you get that. But you get that. Yeah, so yeah. Are, the, are the penises fighting over the same pubic hair cape? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, they all have their own purpose. It's like, you know how they're like, uh, if you could fuck your own clone slash a twin of you, would you? And the answer is like, oh, yeah, I've done it a million times. My name is Sinister. I don't give a fuck. Like, that, it's very obvious. It's but, funny. It, he actually, what I'm coming back to now is too, is like the, um, I'm thinking of the witch. Because didn't that goat have multiple penises? Like, I'm just like, there's a Baphomet type thing where it's like he's got 17 penises because he's very devilish. Yeah, um, I didn't get that from the witch, but okay. <laughs> All right, Clark, Clark, how many more do, of these do you have? Well, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> let's skip over it. We're going to do um, two some, more. I already talked about Lion-O, so what do we think about that? Do, do we actually think it's going to be a human penis or a cat penis, or what's it doing? They're, they're mostly human, but what I don't like is that isn't Lion-O without the sword, like, a child? <laughs> Or no. no, 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 no. He's transformed into an adult. It's just that his yeah. mind is a 12 year old. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's not God. weird. Yeah, it's not weird at all. No, it's not weird at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not weird at all. It's not. No, his penis is. This isn't 13 penis going is, on 30 at all. It's 13 like going on 30, but forever. Like a sword. Do another says, one. Oh, three times it gets bigger. <laughs> right, well, if you like that one, what do you think about Wait, Ernie? Because no, I think I think when he uses it, he always says Thundercats ho. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the person you're just like, what did you call me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think about um if you like that one? What do you think about Ernie and Bert's penises? Oh <laughs> uh, okay. no, 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 no. Very, very proportional, very proportional. And they have a great sex life. The end. I That's think, how they been the okay. Brent? Okay. Go, Brent. What? I think that <laughs> Bert's penis, a bubble for me. Bert's penis 
looks like it belongs to Ernie, and Ernie's. <laughs> Oh, that's that's actually so sweet. I love that so much. That's so nice. Oh, it fits together so nicely. Well, this one is not going to be so nice. What do you think Rudy Giuliani's penis looks like? <laughs> I, I know the answer it's, to this. It's, uh, no, no, it's, it's hair ball spray paint it black. Oh, spray, spray paint his pubic hair black. Nine eleven. That's what his penis looks like. I, I oh, thought you were, well. Let's end on that nine eleven joke. I thought you were, Clark. I thought you were going to ask which blue penis would you fuck from the X Men because there's like thirty five no. in there. Doctor no, Manhattan's. Too we ended on yeah. We on Rudy Giuliani. Let's read I some wish, comics now. It's a, Ryan. Ryan for an X Men podcast. It's a natural stopping place. We're topical too. <laughs> Yes. All right. Uh, let's let's so wrap up our episode. Read? I don't know. Let's All wrap right. up our so, with a discussion of comics. Kaylin? All right. Yeah. So we had four comics this week, including one that we didn't review a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but first up, we've got Marvel Voices, Indigenous Voices, number one, a one-shot where Uatu the Watcher narrates an anthology about Marvel's Indigenous heroes as written and illustrated by Indigenous creators. The framing story is written by, written and drawn by uh, Jeffrey Verege. I'm gonna probably butcher some of these names, so please excuse me. The first actual story is by Rebecca Roanhorse and uh, West Hoyat uh, Alvitre. And it has uh, Echo, who is the uh, deaf ninja character from Daredevil, traveling to a planet called Genui to fight a sadistic uh, Badoon warlord. The second story by Darcy Little Badger and Kyle Charles is about Mirage and Wolfsbane, excuse me, rescuing an indigenous mutant in Arizona. And the third story is by Stephen Graham Jones and David Cutler showing Silver Fox saving a baby wolf. Brent. I, um, I thought that these stories were um, each interesting. The thing that I would really like though, they all felt like beginnings of longer form stories. Like Danny Moonstar is going around like trying to act as kind of like a Marauders type character and bring people to Krakoa and help them learn that they can reconcile multiple parts of their lives and build together. And then the, I mean, including Loki in the first story was a very odd twist because I, you know, I don't know anything about any of the characters except for Captain Marvel and Loki. Um, but having that as being part of a longer like space epic, I think can work very well when you've got a bunch of creatures, uh, got a bunch of species who are like from different planets, different cultures and customs. Uh, Kaylin? Um, my only thing was, uh, it's interesting that like Silver Fox was the character in the third one when, uh, when Uatu in the kind of the first couple pages was going through all the various indigenous heroes uh, in the Marvel universe, including Warpath, Thunderbird, Red Wolf, and so on and so forth. Um, Silver Fox is a character I haven't thought about in a very long time. Um, like, if you were like a fan of like '90s Wolverine comics, you probably remember her. But um, uh, I, I was just a little surprised by it. But you know, I'm really glad that this book exists. Um, glad we're getting you know more diverse voices and a feature on some characters that we normally wouldn't. Clark. Um, my favorite parts were the opening um, illustrations where they're showing all the different Marvel characters that are indige indigenous Americans and just the, the whole Owatu talking about like everybody just start there was absolutely amazing. 
Um, I did have one question, and that was, why the fuck are they naming this um, mutant Julian and just calling him Julian, confusing me because there already is a Julian. Hellion is Julian. And right. I was like, I don't know. Wait, wait. I was like, wait, so Hellion's doing what? Why is he over there? Da, 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 da. It, I, it just knocked me off until like maybe two more pages where I was like, okay, this just, I don't know. It was uh, distracting as hell for me. Right. Um, two people can be named the same name, but uh, moving no, on. Not that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's it, it's hard with superheroes though, because you can almost never reuse the same name, which is weird. But um, uh, what what I was expecting from this issue, I I love a Danny Moonstar uh, issue of anything, and I will read everything she's in it because she's phenomenal. She's one of my favorite uh, superheroes ever. Uh, with it, with that said. I, I did want all of them to team up. I wanted like an indigenous team <laughs> together. Wouldn't that have been fun? Like Warpath, Danny, like Echo, like all of them like hanging out together yeah. and then going on a mission. That's what I thought this issue was going to be. So that's my only disappointment with it. But I feel uh, like there needs to be fun. more. I want more. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Um, yeah. I, I kind of want this to keep going because it just seems like it's going to be a one shot. But I do know that Marvel is doing a, another Marvel Voices in February, which is Black History Month. And so that'll focus on African-American uh, and African characters, uh, as well as Black creators. So really excited that Marvel is uh, doing this kind of diversity. So the next book uh, on our list is Venom number 30, and it's the conclusion to Venom Beyond. In the last issue, Mark Gagan, a.k.a. the Scorpion, a.k.a. Virus, was defeated by the good guys who promised to let him live as long as he brings them to Codex, the big bad of this arc and this universe's Dylan Brock. The pot-smoking, Grateful Dead listening version of Reed Richards says that he can build a gate back to a gate. He can build a gate for Eddie and Ga uh, for Eddie and Dylan, excuse me, to get back to the 616, but it's going to take five years for some reason. Venom and the Cavalry take the fight to Codex, who they subdue by making him touch hands with Dylan 616. And then one year passes, Eddie looks like the front man for an 80s pop metal quartet, <laughs> and uh, Anne looks like a 90s era Meg Ryan. Reed succeeds in sending Eddie and Dylan back to their universe, but something's off. All the stars are gone, and we're about to head into the King of Black storyline. What'd y'all think? I am not a huge fan of this current sub-story, but I did enjoy the ending. I think there were a couple of really good emotional moments uh, for Eddie, his kid, and with his, uh, like, another dimensional wife. Um, I thought it wrapped up really nicely, even though it felt a little bit fast uh, and kind of felt very rushed. But I, again, I think some of the emotional beats really hit uh, just because of her overall experience with Venom. And I was a very happy lead-in. Obviously, it was coming. But I, I appreciate them kind of taking him off the chessboard for a while while all the other um, titles built up to the, the impending null uh, arrival. Brent? I think that there, I think the emotional beats that hit were the ones that had to deal with being a parent and yeah. missing out on stories that you didn't get. Yeah. <clears throat> in, in general, when I think of like superhero conflict finales, I'm often an advocate that you don't need to end every conflict with actual physical violence. And this is an example of where that didn't quite go right, because I think that they wanted to say something emotional and touching, but it, it's such a far removed character from our experience in such a weird world that I don't think it really landed in a way that 
I would have thought would be emotionally satisfying. Um, it, it, it's okay. I, I mean, we've read worse, um, but it is not like the most high quality that I think Venom has produced for us. Yeah, I agree with okay. that. I think um, I like the storyline probably a little bit better than you guys do because um, I'm just a sucker for parallel universes. But um, I don't think it needed to be five chapters necessarily. I think it could have like been a three or four chapter storyline. Um, but I know they were kind of just treading water a little bit till uh, they were ready for King uh, King in Black. So I am very excited for the King in Black because I don't know if you all have read uh, the um, uh, solicitations for February, but like it is encompassing like every book in Marvel. Uh, and there's a bunch of like King and Black miniseries and one shots and so forth. All right, so moving on, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number eight. This is actually came out a few weeks ago. We forgot to buy it. Clark, thank you for reminding me, forgetting <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, in the previous issue, Novar has been accused of killing a couple of interstellar diplomats. And the only one who can exonerate him is Rocket Raccoon. Turns out uh, Stote, one of the diplomats that was killed, has plunged his entire civilization into a war of secession. Rocket tells Clurt, uh, Clurt, the super scroll, uh, to fire the gun of Valor, <laughs> Uh, the Lord. other dead diplomat at Novar. The gun does what it did in the seventh issue, meaning it flips around and shoots the shooter instead. Clerk now has a big hole in his head, but he's still alive because he's a super scrawl. That means the killer is still at large. Uh, Peacebringer of the Chitari attempts to defuse the situation by blowing everyone up. Rocket figures out that the Badoon emissary, who was really the profiteer, was behind all of this, and Zoralis Gupa, the lizard looking diplomat, gets a call that puts all of this in perspective. This is all small potatoes because the King in Black is coming. When I said King in Black is going to be all-encompassing, I meant it. It's everywhere. Ryan. Bitch. Every... Okay. So psychics should be detectives. Detectives should be psychics. <laughs> Why have we not talked about this, Wave? I brought this point up to myself and no one else before but like <laughs> i don't understand why this is not utilized more and in this comic with psychics being so prevalent they handle it so 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 well and i really yeah. appreciate that it was uh it was just so fun uh to see it done in a certain way it does make me think uh some of the other detectives in the marvel universe should be a little bit better and just have a psychic on their team anyway <laughs> uh brent I think in the prior issue, I was a little bit, I was a little bit more hesitant about loving it than I think you guys were, but this really kicked it up because they basically said, what if we did one of those stupid Agatha Christie, I am in the middle of the smoking parlor, I've gathered you all here, there's been a murder. And <clears throat> for all these characters that have very disparate motivations and backgrounds, they did a pretty good job of synthesizing who wants what and still maintaining character without it becoming an exposition dump that it, it came out to be very, very fun. Yeah, I really I like, enjoyed it. Sorry, go ahead, Clark. I like that the Chitari, um, like, you know, bomb killer <laughs> monster guy was very polite about the fact that he was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait here. I'm going to blow you up in five minutes. Okay. I'm, uh, I, I just love the character of the Profiteer. Uh, I know she was just introduced quite recently in like the uh, Empire lead-in books in Fantastic Four, mm -hmm. but she already has so much potential of like somebody who is just trying to profit off the chaos of the universe. 
Uh, and when things start like, you know, the status quo starts changing, she starts getting really angry. It's like, well, the Kree and the Skrulls, they're now like one empire. That affects my bottom line. Can't have that. Uh, like all of it, it just makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, just having a completely sort of like, almost like an Eric Prince, uh, like, like, you know, completely like mercenary type character who is also, you know, one of the elders of the universe. It, it's, it's, I, I'm shocked that there wasn't a character like this before and it yeah. makes 100% sense. Brent? I was uh, very excited <clears throat> to see uh, Hercules get kind of defensive about Marvel Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, their relationship's still going strong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anything else on Guardians? All right, it. let's move on to our final book of the week, uh, Death Metal number five, and even I'm Metal. over it. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> wait, so, wait, Kalen, uh, say that again. Say that one more time. You're over it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's stop reading it. No, we're gonna, we're gonna, Come we're on. gonna finish it. We're gonna. Are there like it. nine more issues? Yeah, nine more issues. So the one who, uh, the one who last takes his fight to Perpetua and keeps the heroes busy with the Gotham City construct. Uh, Gotham City construct giant bat demon. Lex Luthor shows up to save the day, kind of. Turns out the only thing that's going to help is the truth. No, seriously, the truth. The good guys have to team up with the baddies from their Earth to take on their twisted counterparts from the other Earths. Please let this crossover end. Even I'm done. Brent. All right, so there's a problem with DC in general. And I think the thing that makes me like Marvel more is that their MacGuffins are MacGuffins. <laughs> things. And DC, as much as I've read it with these huge events, it's always something like the crisis on infinite dooms present. And you're like, just anti-crisis math equation, life stuff. Like you guys need to stop having these abstract concepts that that you're just t- you're just stacking on top of each other. The speed force, like, just put make something that matters and re- have your characters react to that rather than try and have this weird jumble of words that you'd hear from someone selling herbal supplements. At- <laughs> <laughs> like, it's too much. Give me a fucking I- break. I, I actually like the weird abstract concepts. I think they come straight from like the mind of Jack Kirby, who's one of the most creative forces in comics ever. With that said, the problem with DC is not what you said. The problem is it's all gotten too insular. It's all like building on like this event that happened 35 years ago. And then like they keep trying to go back to that well. And like, we can't fucking move on. That's the problem. I'll counter. Um, the problem is what I said. Ryan? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was muted because I was up in arms because this is exactly the problem I have with DC. I want to like DC, but it doesn't, you guys just need to humanize your characters way more. Just, it, it you can't just always be in space fucking a asteroid and being like, that was Apocalypse's asteroid first. And you're like, who cares? Like, I, just, I, I want to like it more. I want to. And when they have down to earth like stories, they are so much better. I do guys, think- I really go ahead, and, Clark. Sorry, that it's not just humanizing, it, it's humanizing the universe more. Yes. It, it with all these abstracts, it just feels I mean it's the universe, blah blah blah, very cold, but it, it, it 
I don't know. It doesn't feel I, like a home in a way. Yeah, I I really do wish that y'all had read DC Comics when I did, like during its like my heyday of it, like from you know post crisis up until like the early two thousands. So like a good like fifteen year period where the universe like was relatively coherent. You had the idea of generations of heroes, and while there were big cosmic things happening, like like there were smaller stories within that construct that worked really, really well. Not always, but it worked, like some of them worked really well. And I think ever since like the mid, like Infinite Crisis in the mid 2000s, DC has been just adrift, even though there has been moments of wonderfulness and moments of brilliance, but it's been few and far between. Ryan? Well, do, do you think like too many reboots and sort of, uh, uh trying to uh, wipe the slate clean do you think that hurt it at some point well it's not just what trying to wipe the slate clean it's like them just going back to the stuff that worked what was before. popular before yeah that's the thing it's like that's why i'm saying it's too insular it's like it's you know brent you've got a good point of like the abstract stuff can be a little too heady but i don't really think that's the problem it's the it's the absolute uh inability to move past uh, the whole crisis model uh, uh, of, of their storytelling. Uh, it's just limiting them completely. Adam? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think you're right, Kaylin, because like it's these, it's as much as Marvel's crossover mega events have become almost boring blasé and like a yearly tradition of like, oh boy, uh, okay, that was fine. Maybe, the, I know, but like no big major shakeups. I think the DC models, like you're exactly right. Like they are, especially this one, it's just like even having Wikipedia knowledge and reading things now and again, I what I just like, I'm, I was lost as the rest of you. I think Kaylin, what I was gonna say is what's the, what was that like mini series where it was people, they went to the, um, was it Heroes in Crisis where they went to like the rehabilitation facility? Yeah. I read that kind of mostly sight unseen. I think you'd all really like that because it it humanizes a lot of what's going on. And I think that's, I, it's, a, it's kind of a great solution to all of what we're describing. And it, I don't think, I don't know if it was called a crossover, but it was certainly like a bigger event that you're like, oh, I see all these people. I don't know them super well. I can play with them. Um, and it, yeah, it's just disappointing to watch this because even, even uh, the original metal was like much more coherent made more sense and i you know it's i think i agree that there is a mega guffin problem of there's all these fucking things flying around at once but i i think it's more i really like what you said clark about humanizing the universe because you can have all these things marvel has a lot of these big we talk about the fucking siege perilous on this podcast all the time i don't even know what the fuck it is we never i've never actually seen it during the course of reading in this podcast but at least i know when it comes up it'll make a little bit more sense and still be grounded enough to like connect the dots on a lot of things where this is it's just i don't even know what amount of lore you would have to have to make this really connect and have fun to your own emotions i think that's the biggest problem it's it's disconnected from an emotional stakes point of view right we don't have to dwell on this but i i just want to say like something like young justice i'm wa i'm watching young justice outsiders yeah. right now and they've built such a legacy and i and i think dc comes to a certain level and then they're like well we told that story we got to go back again and i'm that's like a, that's exactly right it's because it, 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 that is so good like it's 
the the personal relationships between all of them are really good. The fantastical stuff doesn't feel too fantastical because we have these grounded characters. But sometimes when I, and this is just because I don't know a lot about DC, but when I'm reading too much of it, I'm like, this is too out there a little bit, just for me. Also, no, nostalgia. I mean, well, well, no, I do think it's, I think a lot of it has to do with Scott Snyder's uh, Justice League. Because like we started reading that when they had that, Cross, like the kind of relaunch crossover. And I think we all generally enjoyed it. We're like, okay, we're gonna know all these people. Let's see what happens next. It's like the source wall split open and now who, what the fuck, or like that was part of that. Like, it's just, it's so much, there's so much machination as opposed to like, tell a human story. Like, let us know how these people feel. And again, maybe be, it's because we're not, sorry, Caitlin, go ahead. I was gonna say, I'd be curious to you guys, for you guys to read Grant Morrison's Justice League. Cause that was also in, from the nineties. Cause it was very bombastic, but there was, one, it's like Morrison has his own kind of style and like the the bombast is really, I think, uh, balanced well with some of the human emotions. Um, I'd love to get y'all's take on it. We can read it on the DC Universe app. Um, you know, um, it's dated in a very 90s way, but uh, it's got some really wonderful moments in it. Hmm. I was going to say, be careful what we you wish do that. Yeah. You can have an extra issue where we all just yell at you for making us read it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm used to that. <laughs> All right. That's been the comics. Um, and that's been our episode. So be sure to check out our review of Ten of Swords released last Friday, featuring special guest Brett Manis from Comic Book Queers Legacy. And be sure to check out the only morning talk show covering Ten of Swords on Instagram, Vicky and Kiana Talking Swords, which can be found at home at Instagram at Homosphere Podcast. You can also find more great content made by us on iTunes, Spotify, and Twitter at Homo Superior X. And also remember that if you go to marvelxxx.com, you can use our promo code barbedcatpenis, word, save 75% on Marvel Hulk line of dildos with an extra 5% off on the mean gray one. Again, it's barbed at marvelxxx.com. We've been Homo Superior, where we're hey, thicker Brent. than we are long. Thanks for listening. Hey, Brent, before you hang up, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, as well as wish, wish our listeners a happy Thanksgiving, because we will not be recording next week. Yeah. Right. Gobble, gobble to you all. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.